Hey everyone, welcome to the Wednesday Conversation. This is Bethany Gilbert. Even though it's the third Wednesday of the month, we're actually delaying our final Bovink episode until next week. So be sure to tune in to hear us discuss the last chapter of the wonderful works of God. Today, Pastor Dusty White recorded a special episode about loneliness. Enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Wednesday Conversation. I'm Dusty White and I'm here by myself. My conversation partners, Bob Thune and Chris Hemmelman, are out today, but I wanted to lay down this podcast because I feel like it's important for us. And today, I'm talking about how the gospel of Jesus Christ connects to the questions and issues of everyday life, and particularly, I'm talking to you about loneliness, the solitude of the saints. This is a topic that I've been uh, pondering for a little over a year and just kind of curating my thoughts and uh, reading different resources. So today you're getting that. You're getting me alone talking about loneliness, which is ironic. And I've gathered my thoughts from resources like Chip Dodd, Ronald Rollheiser, and then most recently, which I'll be speaking about the most, Miles Wernz, who wrote a great article in Comment Magazine in February called The Solitude of the Saints. So, first of all, let me tell you the story. Uh, about a month ago, I took a day of solitude. Actually, I took two days of solitude. I tend to take a day of solitude about every six weeks in my calendar throughout the year. Every January, I try to take two days away that are back-to-back. So, I went away. My goal is to get there the night before and sleep in. And I always take a crate of books, uh, usually a couple different translations of the Bible, a few journals. I read through old journals and I sit there with a blank page. So I woke up in the morning as I normally would do. I sat there with my journal, my Bible. I lit a candle and it was two days of solitude. The first day, Uh, As I mentioned, I try to sleep in and then I just try to see what comes. Before this solitude retreat, though, something unique happened uh, just because of how time worked. Our elders were gathering the week before on a Wednesday night, and I mentioned to them as we were sharing with one another and how to pray for one another, I shared with them, hey, I'm taking a couple days of solitude. I'd love for you guys to pray for me. And I said, I need to lament. I have some things to be sad about. So that first day, I sat down with my journal and I made a list. And 11 different significant things hit the list without me even trying to to consider them. They just came out. So here I was all alone with God, with myself, and I had a list of 11 things that needed lament, things to be sad about. So on that particular solitude retreat. It was going to be a solitude retreat of lament. I went forward. I took each thing one by one and spent most of that day just journaling, praying, thinking, and considering the invitation of my loneliness in that moment, the invitation that this particular solitude retreat offered me, and also the invitation of being sad. Because if I am being sad, then I am giving value to something that matters. Listen to Chip Dodd. Sometimes we learn in loneliness to put our sword and shield down and cry our guts out about the battles we've waged and lost. Dreams and hopes not fulfilled. Friends missed. 
Intimacy is not honored. Opportunities not taken. And struggles with God not seen through. But by struggling in solitude, we eventually rekindle the passion that led us into battle in the first place. That's Chip Dodd in his, in his book, The Voice of the Heart, which has been helpful for years around Quorum Deo Church. And here's what's interesting. I think the culture would say loneliness is a problem to be solved, and maybe even the church has bought into that. Maybe you're a Christian or maybe you're a church leader, and maybe you've just hoped that for the longest time the church would solve the problem of loneliness. Well, I think loneliness needs to be addressed, but I don't think it needs to be solved by the church. And in a moment, I'll read a little bit more from Miles Wernt's article, The Solitude of the Saints. But before I do that, here's Ronald Rollheiser. At the center of our hearts, there is a longing. We give different names to it. Loneliness, restlessness, emptiness, longing, yearning, nostalgia, wanderlust, inconsummation. To be a human being is to be fundamentally diseased. And this dis-ease lies at the center of our lives, not at the edges. We are not fulfilled persons who occasionally get lonely, restful people who sometimes experience restlessness, or persons who live in a habitual intimacy and have episodic battles with alienation and inconsummation. The reverse is truer. We're lonely people who occasionally experience fulfillment, restless souls who sometimes feel restful, and aching hearts that have brief moments of consummation. When Augustine says, You have made us for yourself, Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. He is, of course, pointing out that we are guaranteed to seek God or be frustrated. The soul is not a something that has a capacity for God. It is a capacity for God. That's Ronald Rollheiser in his book, The Fire Within, which is this really short, simple book on human sexuality and intimacy and actually uh, sex in general. I'll be drawing a little bit from that book, The Fire Within, but mostly The Restless Heart. Ronald Rollheiser has wrote The Restless Heart, which is really about loneliness. I think Rollheiser's on to something. All of humanity is lonely and restless. Uh, we know we're more connected than we've ever been, but we're more lonely than we've ever been. Even right now, as you picked this podcast to listen to, you have a host of podcasts you could listen to which is a technological device providing voices into your thinking, into your formation. We know that it wasn't good for Adam to be alone in the garden, so God made a helper suitable for him in Genesis 2. The Trinitarian God is a relational God, and Adam's failure to trust and obey led to relational fracturing. It, it led to, you could say, alienation. Adam and Eve's sin led to a volition to mistrust, to self-preserve to hide, isolate, and act autonomously. And the good news of Jesus Christ offers trust. It does offer us connection. It does offer us intimacy. Because of Christ, we can be known by God and others, and we can know God and others. And that's remarkable. Christians can face the problem of loneliness with hope because God wants to be with us. That's crazy. The creator of the universe wants to be with you. And Christian community, the church that God intends it to be, is an expression of anti-loneliness. But let's keep in mind, we can remain lonely in a crowd. In fact, 
Sometimes your loneliness is the most pronounced, the most amplified when you're in a crowd, when you're at a concert and you're all alone, but with people. And sometimes when you're at church and it feels like there's a lot of people around you, but nobody really knows you. Some of that not knowing you is up to you. You have to engage in your own loneliness and other people in the church can also be reaching out to you. Before we go much further into any other articles or sources, I do want to just stop here and read a few scriptures that are really important when we're talking about loneliness. A lot of Psalms capture this feeling of loneliness that we have, this reality of loneliness we have. Psalm 16, verse 11, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So Psalm 16, 11 is helping us realize that the Lord is the one who's going to light the path forward. And in his presence is where my joy can actually be full and my pleasures can last when I'm in the presence of God. Psalm 22, this is what Jesus cries out in the garden of Gethsemane. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Isaiah 41 verse 10, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So Isaiah 41 is reminding us that we are held in his arms if we are indeed followers of Christ. As we get into the New Testament, we know from Matthew 28, the end of Matthew 28, the Great Commission, when the Lord is sending out his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations and to baptize them, he says a very important phrase, for I am with you until the end of the age. God is with his people. So our loneliness can be satisfied in God for sure. Hebrews 13 verse 5, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. This is the author of Hebrews saying, hey, God is there. God will not leave you. God will not forsake you. You in Christ have the presence of God for sure. John 14, verse 25, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. John 14 reminds the Christian that the Spirit is with him. The Spirit is with us, and peace has been left to us from Christ. He gives us peace because he sends the Spirit. The person and work of the Holy Spirit and the peace of Christ is the remedy to our lonely and longing souls. All right, so we all feel a sense of loneliness, and we know that the Scriptures give us the presence of God and the promises that God is always going to be with the Christian but what is loneliness? Like, what would you define it as? Well, according to Dodd, God gave us loneliness so that we would seek out relationship. Dodd writes this, 
Loneliness is a feeling and reality that speaks to our deep hunger to belong and to be known. Loneliness is the gift that speaks to how much is right with us while also pointing to how much has gone wrong. Because of loneliness, he goes on, we inescapably desire relationship with ourselves, others, and God. Loneliness points to how often we distance ourselves from all three of those relationships. So that's what Dodd would say. Here's what Rollheiser says. Loneliness is an experiential reality. He writes, like other experiential realities, such as joy, sorrow, and freedom, it affects not just our intellects, but our emotions and even our bodies. It is first and foremost an experience of our whole person. It's a little bit more than a dark feeling of alienation, exclusion, rejection, he goes on. And then, using Miles Wernt's article, which will be uh, in the show notes, The Solitude of the Saints from February in Comment Magazine, this is a brilliant article. It's super helpful. It is saying, as I've even interacted with some friends on it, on this particular article, as they've read it, they've said, this article right here captures what I've been trying to say, but can't say it. He says, loneliness's definition is very contested. At minimum, it refers to emotional feelings of disconnection from others. But beyond this, the roots of the experience run deep and wide. Overall, he says, it's a complex feeling of being out of joint with others. Sometimes it can move towards despair. And he references Psalm 88. We would say despair is probably the deepest, darkest spot of loneliness. Wernz's article is helpful, and I want to read a few things from it as a way of making sense of loneliness. First of all, the assumption that Christian community is the solution to loneliness seems short-sighted, particularly if loneliness has not just cultural or sociological, but also anthropological roots. What if loneliness is simply a condition of being human, whether Christian or otherwise? The reason I like that is because that seems to jive with what Rollheiser has been saying, which I read at the very beginning, where he was basically saying, hey, we're not fulfilled people who occasionally get lonely, restful people who sometimes experience a, a sense of restlessness. Instead, the opposite is actually true. We're lonely people that sometimes experience a type of contentment. He goes on to say, Wernst goes on to say, to say that we live in a lonely age is, for the Christian, another way of saying that we live in the world. We live in a world created in grace but afflicted by sin, and so any account we offer of how human social life operates must account for both the grace of God and the burden of sin. But let us not lay the problem of loneliness at the feet of sin too quickly. He's saying, hey, maybe it's not a sinful problem. What if it is not sin that creates loneliness, but simply being a creature of God after the fall? What's helpful for me as a pastor with this article is not because it helps me build a case that the church is going to let you down, because sometimes it will. It's rather an article that helps us understand and make sense of bearing with one another in our loneliness. He says, it's not so much that Christian community has failed when loneliness persists, but rather that Christian community offers us the kind of accompaniment that can help make sense of and bear loneliness without it turning into despair. That's the goal. The goal of Christian community should be not that I can solve your loneliness, but that we can bear with one another in our loneliness and push you to scriptures that remind you that you're not fully alone because God takes up residence in you 
if you're in Christ. Warrens says, Christian community does not exist to banish loneliness, but rather to orient it toward solitude with God. Going back to my story that I shared at the very beginning. If we do not embrace loneliness, he writes, we will constantly be preoccupied with our own pain and unable to attend to the pain of others or to receive the gifts that they might give us. Loneliness invites us to see solitude with God as that which enables us to live for others. It is not gathering with others that ends our loneliness. Rather, a life with others is possible only when we first befriend our loneliness, allowing it to point out the ways in which we hide from God, from our own woundedness, and from God's calling to serve. Wernst goes on to say, the one unable to be alone is the very one who should be wary of Christian community, for they will expect it to alleviate their loneliness in ways that it is not meant to do. He's there quoting Dietrich Bonhoeffer's work in The Life Together. And you've heard it said, most likely, that integrity is who you are when nobody is looking. That's a def classic definition of integrity. I would say, what does it look like to be fully integrated? And being fully integrated is me being able to be alone. You could ask the question, who am I when I'm alone? To use Chip Dodd's categories, who am I when I'm with myself? Who am I when I'm with God? Who am I when I'm with my others? Or who am I when I'm with others and making a, a sense of relational reach? Recently, I was in a pastoral conversation with a guy who uh, has uh, struggled with some particular sin in his life, and it always happens when he's alone. And so our conversation had to obviously do with the sin and uh, in a way of repentance, but mostly I'm pastorally curious about helping him be alone. Loneliness is a very important topic for the church. I think Wernz's article, The Solitude of the Saints, his subtitle to it is Loneliness Can Persist Even in Christian Community. But is that really a bad thing? Now, what's helpful is we have to engage our loneliness. And if we don't engage our loneliness, there are some dangers. I want to list a few of these dangers. These are from Rollheiser's work. And so I'm curating from there. Loneliness, if not understood, can become destructive to human intimacy. It can lead us to a sense of being over-possessive in relationships. It can lead us to being over-exerting ourselves in relationships or even just becoming people-pleasers. And we can also start to over-expect things in our relationships. Loneliness, if we don't engage it appropriately, can drive us into premature or irresponsible decision-making. You've probably known people who have had a premature or rushed marriage. They don't want to be alone, so they hurry up and date, and then they hurry up and get engaged, and they hurry up and get married. Or maybe they just get married. These things actually can intensify our loneliness. We're longing for something that cannot be met in another person. It can only be met in Christ. Another danger is if we don't face or grapple with a meaningful loneliness, if we don't come to terms or befriend our loneliness, I like that phrase, if, if it's not understood fully, then it can start to cause a lot of inexplicable, inexplicable and unhappiness and tension in our lives. It can lead us to an inability to settle down or relax. It can lead us to perpetual worry or self-doubt or wondering. We can become love-starved. We can become paranoid. We can become oversexed because we're reaching for something 
with our bodies that can't ultimately be fulfilled. I think we see a lot of restlessness right now in the culture and just in our individual selves. The iPhone is not helping us. I think loneliness, if not understood, can be the cause of a lot of unhappiness, a lot of tension. If we don't befriend our loneliness, we'll never settle down. We'll never, we're, ne- we're never going to relax again. We have to befriend our loneliness so that it alleviates our worry and self-doubt. We have to cast those anxieties upon the Lord because he care, cares for us. Our wondering can become starvation. And so we have to start to understand our loneliness as a human feeling condition that the Lord has given us. He's put in us and I have to engage myself. I have to engage the Lord. I have to trust the scriptures that God is with me and I have to trust others along the way. And I have to invite them into my life so as to not for always be lonely, but I also have to understand the church, the saints around me, they're never going to fully alleviate my loneliness, and so I shouldn't expect them to. I think it is important to acknowledge that some people feel more lonely than others, and there's some healing invitation there based on how you grew up, based on your primary relationships, based on your church experiences, based on trust given and trust broken. I think it's important for us to realize we're not all on the same page all the time. But overall, I appreciate what Chip Dodd says. Unacknowledged loneliness makes orphans of us all. All we get for surviving our loneliness, rather than using its gifts, is its results. We wind up alone. So, loneliness in general, and this whole topic that I've been trying to spend some time on lately, has been interesting for me. I've always, pastorally and personally, tried to alleviate loneliness. I've always tried to fix it. I've always tried to make it a, make space for others to not be lonely, for myself to not be lonely. But it's interesting if you think about it. Loneliness is given to us by God so that we can enter into solitude with him, so that we can be at home with ourselves, with him and with others and have realistic expectations of community. So, how do we engage our loneliness? Should we engage it? How do we engage it? What do we do? Well, I want to remind us of John 15. In John 15, the word abide is in there 11 times. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Later on, verse 9, abide in my love. Verse 10, abide in my love. Abide in his love. So, one of the solutions to loneliness is our own agency. It's our own volition. To engage our loneliness to befriend our loneliness, we should do so in a John 15 kind of way. The gospel of John 15 is encouraging Christians to abide, and abiding is assuming agency. Abiding is active. It's not passive. Abiding is willed, and so we have to engage our own volition. We have to engage our own agency with things like John 15. 
this is something I must do. It's something you must do. It's not something the church has to do or even can do for you. Each Christian has to engage by abiding. So should the church be a spot of anti-loneliness? I would say pastorally, I have a burden to say yes. Absolutely. It should be a place where loneliness can be befriended, but also alleviated. To a certain degree, it should be a place where it's alleviated. When believers are coming together, which the scriptures are always calling us to, and they should be in the habit of doing that, as they're together, some of your loneliness is falling off. But Miles Wernz's article is helpful. To feel lonely within the church, he writes, is not a sign of the church's deficiency, but a strange gift. Loneliness tells us that the community exists not for itself, but for God, not to solve the problem of being a creature, but to help us bear it well. To be called to Jesus is to embrace loneliness as a feature of the world that by God's grace, the spirit makes use of, to make us attentive, to open our hands to suffering, to open our ears to God. The Christian community as the body of Christ is the company of others who cannot solve loneliness but must learn together to befriend it, that through it, we might be led to God and to the sufferings of the world. Well, friends, there's a lot more I could say about loneliness and the hope of the gospel. But after all, I'm alone in the studio at this point. The goal of this podcast is to equip our own church for discipleship and mission. So if you're a Christian or a church leader in a different context, we thank you for listening in. And man, we pray that this conversation might be helpful to you as you minister in your own context. We love to hear from you. So if you have thoughts, questions, or comments even about this podcast or future podcast topics that you'd like us to engage, send an email to podcast at cdomaha.com. Thanks for listening in. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Wednesday Conversation.